All right. Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, I'd like to uh, welcome you. Welcome you to our second podcast in this series of many. Um, this podcast is going to be brought to you by the Pie Shop, of course, uh, located here in downtown Fresno at uh, seventeen fifty-five Broadway, which is the space we're in right now. This is. Um, uh, our industrial space. You can see behind me that we're moving in some new machinery uh, every day. If you if you uh, were uh, tuning in a few weeks ago, you saw probably a lot fewer things here. So we're we're gradually building up the space and bringing in machines, and uh, we have a new laser table in here, and uh, some welders, and some other things. Um, this is also being brought to you by Blue Dolphin Design Engineering. Um, <clears throat> So today's podcast is um, going to be uh, uh, on the subject of prototyping, something that uh, Blue Dolphin has a lot of experience in, and Blue Dolphin's been doing it for the last two decades. Um, and to address that, uh, my guest is Sean Curran. Welcome, Sean. Good to Thank see you. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Good morning. Um, Sean is a um, graduate of uh, Fresno State. And he uh, graduated the mechanical engineering program in 2005. Um, he went to work for BK Lighting, which is where uh, I found him when um, uh, Blue Dolphin Engineering joined force forces with BK Lighting to become their engineering arm. And that was in 2008. And shortly thereafter, Sean became uh, the engineering manager mm -hmm. for Blue Dolphin Engineering. Right about three years later, I think. Yeah, three yeah. years later, yeah. yeah. So, uh, which has been wonderful. It's made my life better. And so, um, so we're going to talk about prototyping today. So, <clears throat> good deal. So, okay, so um, let's, let's talk about, you know, what, what, where a prototype comes in to a project. I mean, if somebody comes with an idea... And they have this wonderful thing. They're going to sell a million of these things. It's usually what we hear. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully they do. Uh, so how does the prototype come into this? Where, where in the process? And what, what is it? What is a prototype? So once a design is created on the computer, once we have everything laid out to as far as we can get, we've, we've analyzed it, we've, we've tested it in the computer, we've done motion studies or fluid dynamic studies, whatever we had to do to get... Uh, as far as we can in the computer, where we think it's ready. We think it's ready. This is, this is something we want to make. And what we want to do is take everything that's on that computer and build it in real life. And that's the prototype. And that, that's what we're looking to do. Because until you actually make a physical representation of something, you don't really know how successful it's really going to be. Okay, so, uh, so what's, so, Prototype, but some people call mock-ups. I mean, what's what's the difference? There? Right. I, I like to really differentiate between mock-up and prototype. Um, a mock-up, to uh, a lot of people call a mock-up a prototype. They, they they call them the same thing. A mock-up is really uh, this is the thing that you built with cardboard and duct tape and <laughs> you know parts that you bought at Home Depot. You have PVC pipe going together. That's your that's your mock-up. A prototype is is something that and your mock-up may be a proof of concept. Very useful sometimes, helps to get the point across, but it's not a design typically. Typically it's just your thoughts uh, with Home Depot components all put together. 
what a prototype is, is we've gone through this whole design and analysis process. We've put engineering behind uh, the design itself, and now we're ready to physically uh, make a, a designed um, a product, and that's what we call a prototype. Okay, all right. So uh, I know some people um, uh, with the process with Blue Dolphin, um, typically, uh, of course, uh, what happens is uh, we do as much of a complete design and computer mm -hmm. before we move into the prototype stage. But there's other ways of approaching uh, the problem of creating a prototype, uh, like design build, and right. So, can you kind of address the differences between doing the design prototypes versus uh, design build, that kind of thing? Right. So, what we talked about already <laughs> is the design to make a prototype. Mm -hmm. We talked about we designed the computer, we uh, analyze it, we use uh, finite element analysis, or we use uh, computational fluid dynamics. We we do everything we can to work out all the details in the design right away, uh, up front, before we build anything. Because when you do a design in the computer, that's where it's easy to make changes. That's where it's easy to, well, relatively easy, relatively easy to make adjustments to your design. If I want to make something a couple inches taller, well, that's me just changing a dimension in the computer. If I have something physically built, that's much harder to do. Um, so we try to do as much design iterations in the computer as possible. Um, before we make a physical prototype, because when you start cutting material, uh, the costs tend to go up really quickly. Uh, the other approach is design-build, which is what you mentioned. And the typically the, 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 the driving force behind design-build is I want to get this done fast. I want to get, I have a deadline to meet, I want to get this done as quickly as possible, so let's not waste time uh, in the computer, let's just uh, start cutting material and building things, very similar to the mock-up concept, mm -hmm. right? But trying to merge the two, trying mm -hmm. to do a little bit of design and then a little bit of build and a little bit of design, a little bit of build. Uh, what tends to happen from our experience is the design build tends to take a lot more time than originally thought, right? Usually the, the driving force is shorten the time, but a lot of times it just increases the timeline. Uh, because all those iterations that I said are easy to do, like I type in two inches taller, I'm done. That takes a lot more time once I'm actually cutting. Now I have to actually make a piece component that makes something taller. So we tend to do this band-aid step where we're putting band-aids everywhere and trying to, trying to make these iterations on what we already have. Um, but what also happens, uh, oftentimes is, uh, to build anything, you have to buy materials. So, uh, you end up looking on the computer or on Amazon or McMaster car and you find all these things that you think you need to make this and you buy all these parts and then once you actually start fitting them together because you didn't do a design you didn't say does this fit do these two pieces fit together uh, now you get two parts and you try to put them together and they don't work so what happens is you say well I bought the wrong one let me go put it on the shelf I'm gonna go buy another one well that's that's money you just put in storage so you got to pay for storage wherever you're putting this thing. And then also you you had to buy another one. Um, and then what ends up happening at the end of the project is we end up with a pallet full of extra parts. Sometimes <laughs> I think we got three pallets back there yes, yeah. <laughs> of extra parts. And that's oftentimes what happens as a result because you can't predict what you're going to do. I, I The analogy that I was thinking of was... Uh, if, if you were looking for a house in a neighborhood and you're going to a party or something, you're looking for a house, um, 
you can either just blindly drive around the neighborhood looking for uh, that house, or you could open a map before you get in the car and yeah. find out where is this house. Sure. How do I get there? I make a left turn here, a right turn there. Right. It's the third house from the left. Right. That's that's a, a much more direct approach, but it takes time up front. Yes. So before you drive, you have to look at your map. And your your thought is, well, if I just hop in the car now and get to the area, I'll find it faster. While well, you wasted time at the tail end, circling, looking looking for the location. Yeah. So I guess to reiterate here, um, uh, there are different ways of going about getting to that first prototype. Uh, by and large, Blue Dolphin, if it has the choice, will always choose to do the design in CAD before it goes on to the prototype stage. And almost always... Trying to do it the other way, where you just start putting stuff together before you have a design, uh, costs quite a bit more time and money uh, in the long run, and uh, a lot more heartache. So um, our preferred method, and it's been tried and true for decades now, is to, is to try to design as much on the computer as possible. Uh, one of the things about having a, um, that computer design is that you can do things with that design from the computer. Mm -hmm. You can send images to people to see if they like what it looks like. You can do, you know, it's in three dimensions on the computer, so you can move it around, you can animate it, you can do graphical things with it. Even before you've ever created a physical thing, you can do that kind of work with uh, computer-aided design files. So it's important to remember in that process, there's a, there's a lot of benefit to trying to do uh, what we believe is the is the, is the best method, and ultimately, Blue Dolphin uh, will adapt our our resources to however the customer prefers sure. to move forward. We have customers that are adamant. <coughs> I need a design build, and we say, okay, let's do it, and we'll we'll do our best, but we'll constantly recommend based on our experience. Let's try to avoid that direction. Right. Okay. Well, so let's talk about a few of the. Um, <coughs> The fabrication methods available mm -hmm. for doing prototyping. What name some of the? What are the? Well, you know, usually when when you say prototype nowadays, the number one thing that that pops in someone's mind is three D printing. Right. Three D printing is seen as the prototyping method. Now, uh, I think if you ask the average person, they know what three D printing is nowadays, which yeah. is great. Mm -hmm. I think. Uh, however, a lot of people, if you ask them, how long ago did three D printing? Uh, how long ago was it was it invented? How long ago did it become the norm? And most of them would say probably just a few years ago. Right. When in reality, uh, it's, parts have been three D printed. It's been around for the eight, from the eighties. The first yeah, patents came out in exactly, the eighties. Yeah. Exactly. So it's been around for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Now vast improvements have been made, and costs have gone down tremendously. Right. Um, but that's seen as the premier method of mm -hmm. prototyping nowadays. However. It's not the only solution. It's not always the best solution. Right. Uh, sometimes you can uh, prototype a component and, and, and as, as 3D print it, uh, but let's say this prototype, you have to test it. This prototype is meant to lift something heavy or operate in a specific type of environment. Um, if it was injection molded plastic, for example, it would, it would survive. But if it's a, a wrapped prototype part with the exact same geometry, uh, it may not survive the environment. And that's right. not telling you that the design is incorrect. What's telling you is there's limitations of the 3D printing. Now, they've come a long way, like that, that UV oven that we recently purchased that actually increased, that changes the properties, yes. improves the properties, right. makes it closer to the injection molded part. Mm -hmm. um, but still, 
sometimes, depending on what the use of the prototype is, you may actually decide to use a different method. Right. So uh, one thing to keep in mind with 3D printing, most people are familiar nowadays with what that is. I see it on the news. They were talking about 3D printing of guns lately. Um, the, it, 3D printing is, 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 is one use of the 3D printer, the actual printing of the part. And just printing of the part, the variety of materials that are available, you have plastic, you have metals, you have, um, you have what's like paper mache, you can print uh, concrete, you can actually print skin, you can print food, you can print circuit boards. Mm -hmm. You can do all sorts of things with 3D printing. So there's a number of different types of 3D printing processes. But there's also, additionally, secondary processes. So maybe you don't 3D print the, the metal part that you're going to make, but you use a 3D printed part as the pattern mm -hmm. to create the mold right. to, to, to cast a, mm -hmm. a part. And we've mm -hmm. done that several times. Absolutely. Uh, or you use a 3D printed part to create the blow mold, to blow mold mm -hmm. the plastic part. Mm -hmm. Or you create a fixture to hold two parts together that otherwise you'd have to make it through machining or something. I've so seen 3D printed stamp parts. 3D printed stamp yeah. parts, right, yeah. exactly. A stamp die made with 3D printed Well, right, material. sure. So that's a real good example. Yeah. So there's other, yeah. and that's sort of when you come to a company like Blue Dolphin, uh, you're coming into our realm where there's some experience behind um, what other processes, secondary processes are available to actually use with 3D printing. Um, so anyways, what other types of, uh, I mean, there's, there's molding, you mentioned molding mm -hmm. and stuff like that. What are the kinds there's of things? There's molding, there's, uh, sheet metal fabrication, <laughs> there's laser cutting, water mm -hmm. jetting, mm -hmm. CNC machining. You can CNC machine plastic and sometimes that gives you those properties that you're looking for. Um, obviously there's fiberglass, there's, there's all sorts of different methodologies that mm -hmm. you can use. I, I remember one project we worked on for, um, that was called the JAMA. Mm -hmm. And we were making, uh, which stood okay. for Joint All-Terrain Modular Mobility Asset. It was a, it was a diesel electric hybrid vehicle that was a payload for the V22 Osprey. And we had to machine some rubber prototype parts yep. for them or fabricate them. We didn't know how to do it exactly. So we had, we were talking about machining rubber. Well, machining <laughs> rubber is not easy because yeah. it's soft and pliable and, and the tools just dig into it and grab right it and so what we did yeah. though is we we dipped it in, in liquid <laughs> liquid nitrogen which made it as hard as steel yeah. and then we machined it while it was cold and it worked just perfectly mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. there's all sorts of things you can do to make prototypes to to create uh, things that you need for production so well, so blue dolphin <laughs> we have resources like 3d printing cnc machining that sort of thing um now, there are 3D printed houses out there that you can just email your file to. They'll give you a quote. They'll print it pretty quickly, and they'll ship it to you. However, that's all they do. They're not doing a design analysis. They're not telling you whether your part is injection moldable, whether your parts are going to fit together, or whether this is the right process. Mm -hmm. They might be able to help you with the material properties and say, well, this material isn't suited uh, for anything that, that's going to have any type of load or mm -hmm. anything like that. Uh, but that's the limit of what they can typically do. Usually mm -hmm. they just want to print. So what you're getting, well, I have a fly. <laughs> what you're getting with Blue Dolphin is you're getting the engineers to analyze your design, whether you created it yourself or we created it, for what the best method is for three, for right. your prototype. Right. So we're not just going to say, well, we have 3D printers, so we're just going to 3D print it. We would say, well, how are we going to utilize this prototype? What is, what is it going to have to endure 
and that'll determine what process we use. Well, and it should be, it's good to mention, I think, that, um, that the design, in general, uh, the focus of a design is related to a number of factors. One of them is the number of units that are going to be actually produced in production, which you envision that to be. The other is the, you know, the environment, loading, uh, the, the, all sorts of things are involved with that. But keeping in mind that how it's prototyped often um, is different than how it might be produced for production. Right. And uh, so it can, having those things in mind when you go through the design and decide how to make a prototype, it's important because, you know, the prototype is meant mm -hmm. to give you a good evaluation of what you're doing. So let, let's talk about the iterations of, of, uh -huh. of what you're doing when you're prototyping. I mean, So one of the first <laughs> things I say right away when I talk to someone who wants to prototype is I say more than likely, nine times out of ten, your first prototype is not going to be your final prototype. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that the design was bad. What that means is there's only so much you can do in the computer before you actually build something. Uh, we've had some products that are subjective. For example, a part that goes in your hand, it's a grip, it's meant to be held all day. We design it based on how the customer wanted it to look. Uh, they said, perfect, that looks like it'll fit in your hand really well. It's the size I told you to make it. Let's print it. We print it out and hold it in their hand and they say, you know what, it's not, it's just not right. Uh, but also, anytime you're making something that never existed before, you, what you have to do is to accept that there may be things that you didn't think about. And you may have been thinking about this part for 20 years, but once you show it to somebody else, they may give you insight that you never thought of in 20 years. Right. Uh, once you do a market study or once you um, start showing, just, just showing to people, see what their, their take is, uh, more than likely changes are going to be made. There's sometimes things that you thought had to be in this product, absolutely must be there, and you decide they're actually not that important. Right. And then there are things that you never thought were going to be important that absolutely have to be in the design. Mm -hmm. And that requires you to make another iteration, which takes us back to the computer. We make the changes in the computer, like I said, make that two-inch change. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes we'll make a whole brand new prototype, or other times we'll actually modify the prototype um, to make those changes, depending on how extensive they, they are, really. Yeah, I, um, it's interesting how the brain works. Um, uh, you have this concept in your head that's never been, you've never seen it anywhere, but you, you've envisioned this. And, and then after we do our design in CAD, you get to see it on the screen, and that gives you a, a, a step closer, mm -hmm. and you have maybe more vision and more insight as to what you're, you're, you're doing. But when you get that actual thing in your hands, mm -hmm. Your brain works even even more on the different possibilities. It's amazing the number of times when we actually get a physical prototype in our hands and all these extra ideas start coming out or these modifications. And so um, uh, we, we have enough experience to know that that's, by, by and large, that almost always happens. Mm -hmm. So this is also another reason why design build is is not always the best way to go because... To get to that point to where you get things in your hands, it costs a lot of money. And, and to make those changes without having to design, uh, it can just escalate. And so being able to go through that process with the computer, make changes on the computer where it's far cheaper to have us make changes on the computer than normally is to make computer changes to a prototype. So um, 
It really makes a difference when you get to see have that prototype in your hands and, and work with it. One thing I want to point out, though, is that the design iteration process is almost uh, necessary in the prototype phase. However, um, that that process can snowball on you. Mm -hmm. That process, because you, you end up in the mode of continuous improvement, which is a good thought to have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. However, uh, you have to understand that you never achieve perfection. You always pursue perfection. That's, sure. that's one of those lean manufacturing concepts. Yes. Uh -huh. uh, a great example that, that I like to bring up is um, uh, Apple is a trillion-dollar company now, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, you shouldn't call them Apple computers. They should be Apple cell phone company because that's what's <laughs> really Apple getting devices. them there, yeah. right? Um, so imagine that first iPhone. It was awesome. It blew you away, but it's terrible compared to today's technology. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, I mean, I have a iPhone 6, which is now old. Right? Yeah, old technology. Uh, old technology. Old school. Um, so imagine if Apple saw that first iPhone and had the vision, let's pretend, to see four generations later. Mm -hmm. Apple could have sat there and said, well, let's not release the first one. Let's, let's work towards that fourth generation. Um, right. So they could have spent five more years before they would have actually released it. Imagine right. five years and how many billions of dollars they would have lost in that right. five years right. if they would have waited. Right. And and they could have, at five years later, said, well, you know what? We're looking at more technology uh, that we want to add. So mm -hmm. let's wait a little bit longer and keep adding these features and let's get it perfect before we release it. And and sometimes uh, that that's, that's a, a dead end. You right. end up uh, trying to make it perfect, which you, you'll never achieve. Uh, you want to get it what you want to do is make it um, the right product for uh, for the consumer at that time. Right. That's that's your goal. You can never make it perfect. Right. Uh, you just want to make it as best you can. Well, and you bring up another good point, and that is with a with a design. When you're trying to if you're trying to bring a product to market, uh, sometimes you can't build in all the features you desire. Mm -hmm. You you have this laundry list of things that you want to include and what you want to have as part of what you're doing. And then you get into the design process and you realize eh, this this whole new feature is a, is a development project on its own and could mm -hmm. cost a lot of money mm -hmm. and a lot of time. Maybe for the first iteration we don't we don't incorporate that. And so that's another part of that design prototyping process is that sometimes the prototype isn't the what you even envision in the beginning because there are practical limitations mm -hmm. behind how far mm -hmm. you can get that first time through. You don't have the money to spend on $200,000 in injection mold tooling, even when it's made in China, or to have this uh, super precise um, uh, uh, circuit made uh, that does a special thing. So uh, that also is part of this prototyping process, is realization of what's practical that maybe steps you into the marketplace and mm -hmm. gets you someplace. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what you're referring to there. Yep. So uh, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but... Um, uh, so I know people, people come and, and they, 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 when they ask the question, when they come to Blue Dolphin, they, they want to have, and for good reason, they want to mm -hmm. have an idea of how much this whole process is going to cost. How much is it going to cost? I just, I just have this great idea. How much is it going to cost to give me the prototype? Right. And they just want, that's the answer they want. Now, I don't blame them. I, I understand where they're coming from, but so tell me, you know, kind of, now, so, how's that dynamic <laughs> so often you're, you're right. What happens is someone comes in and says, uh, I have a budget, right? I have an idea in my head how much I want to invest in this project. 
Um, how much is it going to cost to get to the point where I have a prototype so I can go out and show investors and I can, and I can either sell my idea or get into production? Uh, and that's a, that's a difficult question to ask, answer, uh, because it's, it's a loaded question. It, it's, it's painting me in a corner, but really the prototypes vary wildly. Some, some prototypes we've done cost $100,000. We've done the prototypes that were $500. Mm-hmm. It's, it's varies wildly. It all depends on what are we making. And also, usually the person that comes in asking that doesn't have a design yet either. So right. that we have to go through the whole design process before we even move to prototyping. Right. Um, so that's also included. And I can't give you a cost on your prototype until I have that design. Right. Um, it's the, the analogy that I hear all the time is like, well, if I want to go buy a house, uh, or build a house, I could go find a contractor, they could give me a price, and they would build me the house for that price, generally, give or take a few, uh, a few percentage changes. Um, however, the difference is, there's a whole industry of people that build houses all day long. Right. Uh, there's a whole, uh, usually a house that you're building is an existing design, right. or a modification of that design, uh, because if you, if you've ever built a pure custom home, uh, you're paying engineering fees because right. they have to design it as well. Sure. Um, so it's a, it's really an unfair analogy, I I, I think, uh, because if you're creating something brand new that's never existed before, there is no industry. Right. There, it, it is not existing. There are no experts. Nobody right. knows how to build this house that you're making. Right. Uh, so that's why it's a difficult question to answer um, and, and kind of goes back to the topic that we talked about earlier, which is... Uh, Create a design as thorough as possible up front. Uh, go through the iterations that you know of up front. Then move to making that prototype. And that prototype may be very different than what you originally envisioned. So what you're saying is basically, and, and is that, Blue Dolphin works in, in stages. You know, mm-hmm. The first stage being right. this design development stage, primarily on the computer, uh, which at the end of that point, there's lots of information mm-hmm. that comes out of that. You can get an idea of what your product will cost. You can get an idea of what it would cost to prototype yep. then, which would be the next uh, step then. is So you you would you would start with the, the, the design development step, and then the next step is then the cost and development of, mm-hmm. of the prototype. And that's not a blue dolphin invention, the process. This is the process that's done in industry. Right. Any, any company, well, Apple was our example, uh, Apple is designing everything in the computer first. They're, they're building everything. They're not just hammering fo- uh, cell phones together, right, in the prototype phase. They are designing everything up front, then they're prototyping, then they're going through iterations, and then they're moving on to production. So it is the established process that we learn just from industry experience, right. um, and we're applying it to individuals that are coming in with inventions. Right. And one of the things we try to utilize, too... Uh, we're intent on trying to use what's called the agile process, mm-hmm. which will be the subject of uh, another podcast yep. at some point in time. But what it uh, allows us to do is to continually uh, create iterations of computer designs uh, to a point to where it can be evaluated on a regular basis so that when we get to the end design, there have been several interactions with the customer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we move on to the prototype stage, we can do that same process once again. And uh, hopefully it allows us and the customer to reach at a really good uh, finishing point, mm-hmm. you know, when we're all done. Um, what tends to happen is uh, in some industries um, you're given a design or a specification to create a design, 
and uh, you start working on it, and you never talk to the customer until you're done. And then you spring the, the finished product on the customer. Well, his mind has changed about what he's wanted over yep. that period of time. You've come up with ideas. Somehow it doesn't match up at all with their expectations mm -hmm. for whatever reason. So uh, by using the agile process, you have continual uh, interaction that allows for a better solution. Um, and so we try to use that at, at, at Blue Dolphin. It's, it's fairly important. Yeah, communication is key <laughs> in product development. Um, the worst thing you do is what you're describing is we call working in a vacuum. Yes. That's the worst thing you can do. Uh, anytime, if, if anybody's ever done group work or worked together with somebody else, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When right. somebody went off on their own, try to do everything uh, all by themselves, and they get it all wrong because not because they didn't work hard at it, but just because uh, they didn't have the input of the entire team, and that's crucial to make a successful design. Sure, right. So um, it's it's a, it's an interesting <clears throat> process. It's really uh, very necessary. Um, I can think throughout my entire career and, and the entire life of Blue Dolphin, I think uh, of only one design, which was actually a fairly complicated um, motor gearbox design that went straight from the computer to making a prototype, and that prototype was good enough to actually sell as production, and the production mm -hmm. units were actually based on that prototype without any changes. Now, out of the hundreds and thousands of jobs that we d d have done, and hundreds of customers we've worked with. That's the one instance where that actually happened. Yeah. So uh, even on the simplest thing, um, the, it's normally the case that you, you do another little iteration because mm -hmm. things just change. It is the normal process. And even in large things, that when we, when we started the space program, the, the, that, that was some very expensive iterations that went through. They, they went through huge design efforts and huge prototypes. And, and so... Well, I, I like the, the analogy of, the, of, of NASA, for example, yeah. going to space, because um, I, I, I always point out uh, what happens when you rush as an engineer, you don't include enough people, uh, you're, you're just trying to get something built as opposed to get it designed right and work out the details, you kill astronauts on the launch pad. Yeah, that's right. exactly what happens. Right, and that's the, that is the most extreme case of uh, not having enough resources to... And, and, and also, it's an extreme case to show you that you can never predict all of the issues that are related mm -hmm. to creating a prototype or a design. It mm -hmm. is part of that process. Um, you cannot go from, from starting a design and make the perfect design. It is impossible, yep. although if you let an engineer work long enough, <laughs> we'll just keep going if you yep. want. So, um, so yeah, it's a very good point. Um, anything else you want to add about uh, the, this whole, this whole well, prototype usually, subject? Uh, uh, one one topic that I think is sometimes lost is what is the purpose of a prototype? Mm -hmm. You know, why do we make prototypes? Uh, what do we do with them? Is it just for display purposes? Mm -hmm. Is it? But it, it can be for testing. We've done prototypes that were immersion testings or we're heat testing. Um, uh, sometimes they they are just display for display purposes. Right. Um, sometimes they are uh, almost production ready. Sometimes the prototype is the product. Like when we when we built the cooling system in in the country of Qatar, that was the prototype was, <laughs> the, prototype was the, the final product. Yeah. So there's is. a lot of uses for prototypes, and it's not always what what everybody thinks. That, right. That's one thing I'd like to point out. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, they they end up becoming things for marketing tools, mm -hmm. customer development, uh, evaluation, test, mm -hmm. uh, just things to 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 mock ups. Uh, uh, not but well, uh, very sophisticated. A production-looking 
uh, mock-up that maybe not does not have the internals, but uh, gives the outside appearance right. uh, that people are looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a number of things that uh, uh, prototype can be used for. Can be used for mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, anyways, uh, I'm hoping that that's given you guys some insights as to um, uh, what what a prototype can be used for and some of its uh, wonderful uh, purposes. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, some insight to the process, especially the process that uh, Blue Dolphin likes to incorporate, which is uh, doing uh, design, uh, CAD design and development, and then going into uh, prototyping. And... Um, Hopefully, you guys uh, uh, will help. Will this will stick with you when you come to developing your product and and uh, give you give some good useful information. So thanks for Absolutely. joining us for our second uh, podcast. Thanks, mm-hmm. Sean. Appreciate Thank you, it. Mark. Your appreciate wealth it. information and, and um, happy and, to be here. Yeah, <laughs> good good deal. So that'll be it for today, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.